young people from the church are not in the habit of fasting and don't have that concept in their lives, how can we encourage them to do so? Number one, actually, we need to explain to them the spirituality of fasting and why we fast. If we just tell them, now we are fasting, you need to fast, maybe he will not accept this. But after we explain and they understand the spirituality of fasting and why we fast, then according to the guidance of the spiritual father, we may start gradually with them until they enjoy the fast and they experience the blessing of the fasting in their life, then actually they will have no problem to keep all the fastings of the church. And there's another question. Thank you, Your Grace, for the very spiritual talk. Can you please explain how can, as a church congregation, support each other in fasting? Thank you. Usually the communal fasting or prayer together, this actually accepted before God more than the individuality. Because as we say in the Divine Liturgy, He made us unto Himself an assembled people. And all of us are members in the one body, the body of Christ. So can you imagine in our body, if our two eyes are not actually seeing in synergy together, then I will have double vision if my hands are not working in synergy together then the person cannot actually do many, many things. So the harmony of the body means all the organs, all the members work together in harmony. In the same way, when we pray, we pray together. When we fast, we fast together. So there is the communal and the individual prayer and the communal fasting. When Peter was in prison, the whole church prayed and, and fasted for him. And when they were persecuted by the Jews and they prayed, the place was shaken from the power of prayer. If all of us, we pray together, if all of us, we fasted together, then this, as the Lord said, if two or three assembled in my name, I will be in their midst. When we fasted together, we will be in his name who are fasting. Definitely the Lord and the Holy Trinity will be in our midst. And this actually can shake heaven and earth. So that is the importance of the communal fasting, the communal prayer. Thank you, Sayyidna. Another question uh, from Father Michael. The Ninevites are not Jewish. Why did they believe that God will punish them since they are not believers? In the Old Testament, there are peoples who are called Proselyte means he is not Jewish by nation, by race, but he joined Judaism as a religion and they worshipped the God of Israel. That's why they are called proselyte. They converted into Judaism. So they know if they believed in God of Israel, God of Israel, will consider them among his people and he will accept them. And we have so many stories like Rehab, Rahab, she actually believed in God of Israel and God actually saved her and she became one of his grandmothers. So they know people who are not, Gentile, who are not Jewish, they are Gentiles, but if they feared the God of Israel and worshipped him, 
God will consider them among his people. These are the proselytes. Thank you, Sayedna. Another question. During Lent, the church encouraged us to do more Bible reading during this time. Is this linked to Deuteronomy 8.3, Matthew 4, that God wants us to focus on his word, or is this not linked to that verse? During the fast, as we read in Joel chapter 2, proclaim a fast, call for a secret assembly. It is time, actually, secret assembly means all my activity or most of it will be directly centered around God. That's why during fasting, I need to pray more. I need to read the scripture more. I need to have quiet time with God more, reading more, attending liturgies more. So the more, do you remember when I said the spirit and the body are fighting together? So I am disciplining the body by controlling the nourishment of the body. But I need to nourish the spirit more. All the things that I mentioned are the food of the spirit. Because if I don't nourish the spirit, what will happen at the end of the fast? I will have a disciplined body and a weak spirit. And the person will not be spiritual. But if I discipline my body and I nourish my spirit, then the spirit is strong and the body is disciplined. In this way, the spirit will control the body or lead the body and the person will be a spiritual person. That's why we read the Bible more, we, we pray more, we attend the churches more, we do more prostration, etc. And even in the, in the rites of the church, we read prophecies every day in matins, so we do prostrations. All these activities actually targeted toward the nourishment of the spirit. Thank you, Sayedna. Another question is coming. Thank you for this talk, Sayedna. Is lake of fire a real fire or a symbol of people's regret? It's a real fire. But St. John Chrysostom said the, the fire, the eternal fire, is different than the material fire. It is not this physical material fire. He said at least there are three differences. The fire here gives light, but the fire in, in hell, it's dark. The second difference, the fire actually here will turn anything into ashes, but the fire there doesn't turn things into ashes. So, and the third difference, according to St. John Chrysostom, the fire here is quenchable. You can put it off, but the eternal fire is unquenchable. You cannot put it off. So there is a fire. But when we say a fire, we should not actually think about materialistic fire that, that we have it here. But it is a real fire, and it is not quenchable, it is dark, and it does not turn into ashes. Because the people, many people now in the new theology and new patristic, they say the fire and heaven are just a condition. So a person will be happy or be just regretting this in, in his heart. This actually is the teaching of the Eastern Orthodox Church, but we, the Coptic, the Oriental Orthodox Church, that is, we don't accept this at all. All the early church fathers spoke about a real fire, like John Chrysostom as I explained. Thank you, Sayedna. Another question. Thank you, Sayedna, for the message about making sure we take God's warning seriously enough in our lives. 
how do we do this in practice and not keeping distracted with the things of the world and how do we guard against becoming lukewarm in our face? The accountability will help in this. For example, I read the Bible this morning and I took some exercises to myself. So at the end of the day, I need to hold myself accountable and ask the Holy Spirit to search me and see when I read the Bible, did I keep the warning and did I take the warning seriously or not? Did I take the promises of God seriously or not? Actually, by taking God serious in our life and holding ourselves accountable and then asking our Father of Confession to hold us also accountable and we confess regularly, this will keep the zeal going on in our life. But sometimes we read the Bible, as St. James said, and once we turn the Bible off and we start our day, we forget everything. As St. James said, one looked at his at the mirror to see his face, and then he went away and he forgot everything. Reminding ourselves all the day, this is the message. When, when we read the Bible, I need to ask myself, what is the message to me today from God? What is God's message to me today? And I take this message all the day. I live by it. And at the end of the day, I hold myself accountable. Did I live up to this standard or not? If not, I offer repentance. If yes, I will give glory to God who helped me to keep the message in my heart all the day. And then second day, I will do the same. Third day, I will do the same. So the zeal will be always, always kindled. Thank you, Sayedna. So the last question coming, some people say that the story of Jonah is a symbol, not real. How can we answer them? Actually, in last August, here in the United States, can send to his grace, Bishop Angelus, the link. I'm sure maybe he read it already. A person was swallowed by a whale and he stayed in the whale for maybe 20 hours, 24 hours, and then the, the whale spit him and he's alive. This happened actually last August. So, and it came in all uh, the news here. And also there's another person, I think in, in London back in the 19th century, the same story happened. And here's just, I'm speaking about the possibility, but if God actually wants this happen, couldn't God actually preserve Jonah in the middle of the world for three days? Definitely he can do this. God is in control of everything. But for us who are weak in our faith, God every now and then sent us a story, a real story, that can testify that the story of Jonah is a real story, not a mythological story. And as I told you, just in last August here in America, it happened with one of the sailors.